Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. We are uh, we're talking about let's go. It's a huh, a new season for us. And I felt prompted by the Spirit of God to, 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 say, to say this, um, that about three years ago, um, I was, you know, the guys I work with, um, they kind of, huh, they get used to me having these little weird things. And I, I remember about three years ago, the Lord saying to me, you know, we'd been talking about the, 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 the stuff about going north and all that was all kind of fresh. And, um, and I, I said, I don't know, I've got, something about, I've got something about Norway in my spirit. There's just something about Norway in my spirit. And uh, these guys were like rolling their eyes. It's like, you know, bro, please, we, we've got enough fun with what we're doing. Never mind bringing Norway into this. And then, of course... Some of you might have already guessed that uh, this young man, who is my son, is getting married this week to a Norwegian. And, um, and they weren't even, Christina wasn't even on the scene back then. And what I wanted to say was this, um, as exciting as all that is, that I, God had whispered something to my spirit that I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around. I did, I, I was trying to add something to the sense that I was getting. But clarity came. And I, I just feel I want to encourage some of us in the room that God has whispered some things to our spirit that it's been difficult to, to flow with because we haven't actually seen the evidence or it's not worked out in the way we thought it was going to work out. And I, I just believe that God is letting, uh, letting us know that we're coming into a season where we're going to have clarity like we've never had clarity before and we're going to get it. There has been some things that he's been saying to us that we thought, oh, maybe it means that, maybe it means that, but now we're going to see clearly what it is that God wants us to do. Um. couldn't get this uh, scripture out of my mind. Um, if you're visiting today, we, we are, we're on a journey out from this room to some old TV studios, actually, just opposite Showcase Cinema called Kings Meadow Campus. And, um, and this is about getting into another space. It's very much about getting out of this room, but it's about getting into the space that God wants us to get into. And so we are running a series called Let's Go. Over these next few weeks, we, our first Sunday will be the 24th of June. In the book of Mark, we're just going to take, this is, I very rarely say this, but this, huh, would be one of those occasions where it would be good if... Do you remember the days when we used to have paper Bibles? Like Tando Zulu, come on, representing. Because what it would be great is if, if you could have this open here at chapters 4 and 5 in Mark, because then you could see how this all flowed on from one another. But that's an aside. We're going to have a little walk through these scriptures in Mark 4 and 5. 
And what I couldn't get out of my mind was, and you'll get why I'm saying it, on that same day, when I'm reading from the Amplified Version, so it's, um, it's a bit louder than the other ones. No. Um, hey. Um, <laughs> the old ones are the oldest. Um, on that same day when evening had come, he, being Jesus, said, let's go. That's what, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And leaving the throng, they took him with them. Just he was in the, as he was in the boat in which he was sitting and other boats were with him. And a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat asleep on the leather cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush now, be still, muzzled. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. He said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said one to another, who then is this? that even the wind and sea obey him. So we're on a bit of a journey. So we're, we're going to move into uh, some of the other scriptures in a moment. But I want, I want to point out a couple of things to us. Like this, this was a real storm. Um. I think to appropriately say it, it seemed as though they were in very real danger. I say seemed because we know the end of the story. But to all intents and purposes, if you're experiencing a wind of hurricane proportions in a little boat and waves are beginning to fill the boat, let me tell you, that's an intimidating set of circumstances. So there was their perception of what they were seeing, what they were experiencing was there was genuine danger. There was genuine. And again, you know, we've got people who here who were experienced fishermen. They knew what it was to experience a storm. It's like, you know, if you've ever... Um, I remember once uh, being on a plane um, in America and we, 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 we were flying between, uh, uh, we were actually um, uh, flying to Washington State and the plane was uh, struck by lightning. The, wind, the wing of the plane was struck by lightning. And it's like, you know when you look at the, the air hostesses and, the host, and they look nervous? You know, they're, they're, they're smiling through gritted teeth, you know. 
uh, it makes you realise this, this was actually quite serious. I, I think when you see an experienced seafaring fisherman get nervous in this environment, you know, it's like, well, I think we should be nervous. Um, I want to remind us that it was Jesus who told them to get in the boat. But even when Jesus has told you to get in the boat, and even when Jesus is in the boat, it doesn't stop your boat getting rocked. Even when Jesus has told you to get in the boat, and even when Jesus is in the boat, it doesn't stop your boat from getting rocked. And I would say again, um, that when you're in the will of God, when you're seeking to do the will of God, I, I, I've got to blow out of the water. This, I know it's been in church, it's been around church down the years, you know, oh, it must be the Lord because everything just went so smoothly. I don't know, guys. I thought in my Bible, whenever God was involved, things didn't necessarily go that smoothly. You know, I think that it's, it's, we shouldn't just be, oh, well, God was in it because everything just slotted into place. Well, yeah, things might just slot into place, but, but your boat might get rocked along the way. Now, true enough, because of the storm, they focused on the storm and lost sight of Jesus in the boat. And the storm will do that to you, won't it? When you're, when you're in the middle of a raging storm, it will grab your attention because it's loud and it's in your face and it's fierce and you're unsettled. And, 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 and that becomes your point of focus and you lose perspective because you forget about the Jesus in the boat. And, and I think that's why they got a bit irritated with Jesus because they were so focused on the storm. They became irritated with Jesus sleeping Because it's like, how can you be sleeping? But I want to say that it's because that they were more irritated by him sleeping than rather stopping to think why he was sleeping. And you see, again, that's what the storm will do. In the ferocity of the storm, it will distract you. It will get you off the focus of the real issues. Firstly, they should genuinely have been comforted by the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, was in the boat. Secondly, they, the, 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 the ferocity of the storm stopped them thinking, God, give us some Christians who think. Got an amen from Karen. I didn't get an amen from anyone else, but thanks for that, Karen. We, we, we get so like caught up in stuff that we don't think, we don't, 
We don't apply our brain. God wants us to think. He has renewed our mind for a reason. He wants us to think. To follow Jesus Christ does not mean that I commit intellectual suicide. Jesus could sleep because of who he was. Because he knew what he was carrying. But he wanted them to grasp who he was and what he was carrying. If they just taken a moment to think how he could be sleeping in the midst of a hurricane. It would have reminded them of who he was and it would have reminded him. And I'm just getting ready to preach to somebody. The storm is not the master. The storm is not the master. The storm in that moment was a servant because Jesus was using it to build faith. We are to be a follower of Jesus Christ does not mean that I live looking for a storm free boat trip. Because God is on with a bigger mission than giving us a little leisure boat trip across the pond. He is trying to get us, he's trying to get some stuff into us. He's trying to build a confidence in it. What did the, the Amplified Version say there? That firm, relying trust. God give us some people with a firm, relying trust that if God told us, if Jesus told us to go to the other side, we're going. We may have to encounter some storms along the way. We are coming to the end of our season where we need the doors on the wall. When we started our journey, God said to us, that behold, I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. And we've needed, the only reason God has to tell us that is because there'll be some stuff that happens along the way that will make it seem that the door is going to be shut. There was some stuff along the way over this last year that made it seem like the door was going to be shut. But we, we put some words on a wall, on a door on the wall to remind us of what God has said. I don't know who I'm talking to, but <laughs> that's, that's why... <laughs> That's why I wear a wedding ring. It's not a piece of jewelry, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of some vows that I've taken in the sight of God. I just wanted to say that to somebody today. Jesus could sleep because he is the master of the storm. And he wanted us to understand like he wanted those disciples to understand that because he's the master of the storm, through him, so am I. Through him, so are you. Jesus told them to go to the other side. The storm was between let's go and the other side. And that is our reminder that Jesus is not just focused on 
the destination. He's focused on our destiny. And He will build things into us in the journey to our destination that are needed for our destiny. God is using your mess. He's using your pain. He's using your confusion. He's using your stuff. He's using that thing, those things that you don't understand around you to build some things into you so that you will not rely on self-confidence, but you will rely on God-confidence. Jesus rebuked the storm and it came as nothing because He is the master of the storm. And, and so we, we move on to the next chapter, Mark chapter five, which is, we can, this is a continuation of the story. This is where sometimes the, the chapters aren't helpful because it can feel like something separate when actually it's a continuation of the same story. And so they came to the other side. That's where Jesus had sent them. They, they came to the other side, to the region of Gerasenes. And as soon as he got out of the boat, there met him out of the tombs, a man under the power of an unclean spirit. A demon or demons. I wanna, I wanna say that... Huh, This was very inconvenient. Because even though we can put a positive spin in the preach on the whole experience of the storm, and that's right to do, that's my job. But the reality is, if you've just lived through that, if you've just lived through that, you are both physically and emotionally exhausted. You are, you are, you've been up all night, you, all your physical strength, all your emotional strength has been spent. Because whilst Jesus has, you know, in addition, Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. You know, I don't think anyone got off that boat feeling great about themselves. And, and then inconveniently, someone with immense need came rushing out to them. I think it's interesting or maybe not too surprising that we don't really read or hear much about the disciples in the next few words. Because I think they were just there to observe for this bit. It's like Jesus said, I get it, guys, you just watch, all right? You, you've not got a lot to bring here. It says, verse three, that this man continually lived among the tombs. Can, can I just say that, you know, when God sends people to us, it's not always convenient. It's not always convenient. It's not always stuff that we feel ready for. It's not stuff always that we feel emotionally ready for. You know, sometimes in life, we, when, when, when God wants us to be a blessing to somebody or to minister to somebody, we want to feel like we're on top. We want to feel like we're together. But you know, it, it doesn't always work out that conveniently. This man continually lived among the tombs and no one could subdue him anymore, even with a chain. For he had been bound often with shackles for the feet and handcuffs and handcuffs, but the handcuffs of light chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he rubbed and ground together and broke in pieces. And no one had strength enough to restrain or tame him. Night and day, 
among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always, always shrieking and screaming and beating and bruising and cutting himself with stones. And when from a distance he saw Jesus, he ran and fell on his knees before him in homage and cried out in a loud voice. He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? What is there in common between us? And I solemnly implore you by God, do not begin to torment me. For Jesus was commanding, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. I love the way that the Amplified Version puts that because Jesus was commanding. There's some stuff, even the Son of God, you know, I know there was some stuff that Jesus at a word, at a word, but there's some stuff, even the Son of God, you can't just say it once. You just got to, you got to keep speaking. He was commanding. He was saying it over and over again. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. There's some things that you've got to keep speaking to. You've got to keep speaking to. It's not just going to go with the odd cursory comment. It's not just going to go in a moment. Some stuff is a battle. It's a fight. You've got to keep speaking. You've got to keep speaking. You've got to keep going. Don't give in. Don't stop. Just keep hanging on. Keep believing. Keep pursuing. Keep trusting. Keep going. Turn to someone and say, keep going. Verse nine, and he asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion for we are many. In a Roman legion, there were 5,000 men at this time. We, have, we can therefore assume there were at least 5,000 evil spirits in this man. And he kept begging in verse 10, urgently not to send them himself and the other demons. Watch this away out of that region. Now you see, I think we have some insight now into the why behind the storm. Because it wasn't just a lesson in faith. We try and lock down God. We try and put what God does in boxes. God is doing lots of things at the same time. He is the ultimate multitasker. You think it's about this, but also it's about that. And it's also about that. So yes, God was using it to build faith in His disciples, but there was something bigger going on. It wasn't just a lesson about faith. This wasn't just about a man. It was about a region. Because what was in the man was influencing the region. That's why they were begging Jesus not to send them. Because I actually disagree with what, I don't think this is the man talking now. This is the demon speaking out of the man. Yeah, they were using the man's voice. But they were begging, don't send us out of the region. Why? Because this is our territory. This is, this is our area of Influence. 
It's about regions. We've got, we've got to understand that, that our spiritual battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And God is wanting to give us breakthroughs over regions, but the breakthroughs over regions comes through breakthrough in the spiritual realm. When we break through in the spiritual realm, that's when we will see breakthrough in the physical realm. And he says now, verse 11, now a great herd of hogs were grazing there on the hillside and the demons begged him saying, send us to the hogs that we may go into them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered into the hogs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed headlong down the steep slope into the sea and were drowned in the sea. I think this gives us a bit of an insight of what the demons had been trying to do to the man all along. The moment those demons entered those pigs, those pigs did not have the will to resist the demons. And the first thing they did was run off and kill themselves because that was the plan. That those demons would kill the man. I think it also explains, we read there, didn't we, that um, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always shrieking and screaming and beating and bruising and cutting himself with stones. He self-harmed in order to deal with the inner torment. Such was the, the internal battle. Such was the ferocity of that internal storm that the only way he could resist what the evil spirits were doing to him was to slash himself and beat himself and bruise himself. It is an incredible thing that the only way people can cope with their internal pain is by creating external pain. Guys, this is a real issue. This isn't a story. This isn't a story that we're just reading. This is a real issue where people are cutting themselves and, 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 and self abusing because such is their internal pain. They do not have the ability, they do not have the capacity in their own strength to overcome these things. So you, some people, let me tell you, are extraordinarily clever. There are some people, maybe even around your life, who have managed to hide their self-harm under jumpers and under trousers and under all kinds of things hiding and, and, and they've managed to hide their pain behind a smile. But I just want to remind us that, that we are living in a real world with real pain, with real issues that needs a real Jesus to help them be set free from these things. Because I, I want you to know, I mean, night and day, this guy was shrieking and screaming. Trust me, what he was doing was being heard 
echoing in the, in, 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 the, in, the, in the silence of the night. They were echoing this screen. People, people trying to get to sleep, hearing, ah, ah, crying out in the night. And I want you to understand that just as, as real as those physical screams are the silent screams in people's hearts and minds and lives that may be inaudible to the human ear, but God hears. God hears the silent cries in the night that call out towards heaven. And the same Jesus who's able to calm the external storm is the same Jesus who can calm the internal storm. The same Jesus who brought peace and healing to that external storm is the same Jesus who can bring peace and healing to your internal storm. No matter how ferocious it is, no matter how overwhelming it is, no matter how distracting it is, the storm is not the master. Jesus is the master of the storm and He can bring hope and deliverance and freedom to your life. The, frog, the hog feeders ran away and and told in the town and in the country and the people came to see what, it had taken, what had taken place and they came to Jesus and looked intently and searchingly at the man who had been a demoniac. Don't you just love that? Who had been. Who had been. He, he, he was like that. You remember that guy, Lawrence? You remember that guy, you remember what he used to look like, you know? You remember how he used to smell? You know, you, 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 you know, that you remember his matted hair. You remember that glazed look in his eyes. And, and they had be, he had been a demoniac sitting there clothed now and in his right mind. It's like, I love the fact in the Amplified, it says the same man. It's like, you've got to remind you. It's just got to remind you because I, you, you might be confused by this moment. You might be a bit confused by this moment because this guy does not look like the guy you know. So you've got to just insert the same man who had the legion of demons and they were seized with alarm and struck with fear. You see, he was sat. This was the impact that, that Jesus had had on his life. He was sat, he was at peace. No longer running around like a wild man. Jesus brings peace to the epicenter of your life, to the core of your being. He was clothed, meaning all that antisocial behaviour, the shame had gone. He was in his right mind. His mind was healed. Self-control was restored. See, Jesus has said, let's go. And, and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And, and, and they'd encountered the storm and they'd encountered the mess and they'd encountered some things about themselves along the way. But I just want to come and remind us that waiting for them on the other side was the miraculous. Waiting for them on the other side 
was an opportunity to see Jesus set somebody free. And, and, and they may have got to the other side feeling overwhelmed and tired and burnt out by their journey. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the one who sets people free. Jesus is the one who is the liberator. He was the one who brought freedom and restoration. Spirits of suicide were driven out. Spirits of torment and self-harm were driven out. Spirits that had impact, impacted a region were driven out. This was a massive shift, a massive change. Verse 16, he says, and those who had seen it related in full and what had happened, the man possessed by the demons and to the hogs. And watch this incredible line, verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighbourhood. Which is a stark reminder to those of us who are believing for the miraculous that miracles are not necessarily what will bring someone to Jesus. They begged Jesus to leave. They begged Him to go. It's like, we have seen, yes, we've seen what you've done. We've seen what you've produced, but we're scared. I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with this. And, and people do, you know what people do when they're not comfortable? They, 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 they try and make themselves feel comfortable again. So they will say, I will feel a lot more comfortable if you weren't around here doing this kind of thing. Let, let things go back to being what they were before. So the presence of the miraculous does not necessarily make people want Jesus. But he, watch this verse 18. And when he had stepped into the boat, the man who had been controlled by the evil spirits kept begging him that he might be with him. Take me, Lord. Take me, Jesus. That he might be with him. Jesus. Let me come, Jesus. Let me come. Let me come. Let me come. I know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. But Jesus, let me come. Let me come. Let me come because let me tell you, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. They might be scared, Lord, but I know what I was like. I, I, they don't know what fear is. I know what fear is. I know what terror is. Lord, I know what it is to endure the terror of night. Look, my body still bears the scars. It still bears the marks of where I've been. I was living amongst the tombs. I was living in torment. I was living terrorised night after night after night. But Jesus, Jesus, you set me free. Don't, don't leave me now, Lord. Don't, don't, don't leave me now. I need to go with you. He was begging. He was begging, don't, don't go, Lord. I, I need Jesus. I need, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I, I need Jesus. You see, he'd wanted Jesus before the miracle, not just because of the miracle. You say, how do you know? How do you know he wanted Jesus before the miracle and not just because of the miracle? Because when that man was full of 5,000 demons and he saw Jesus, 
the light, the life, the Son of God, when he saw Jesus, everything, everything within him would have said, get away, get away from him, get away from him. But there was something in that man that says, I've just got to get to Jesus. If I can just get to Jesus, everything is going to be all right. I just, with everything screaming within him, run away, run away. I just, I just need to get Jesus, Son of God, Jesus. The Bible says when he came to him, he fell to his knees. When he got to Jesus, all all that could happen was that the the evil spirit spoke out of him. But it was okay because he got to Jesus. He, He got to Jesus. fascinating because you see Jesus Jesus refused to permit him but he said to him go home to your own family and relatives and friends my God and bring back word to them of how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had sympathy for you and had mercy on you and watch this he said and he departed and began to publicly proclaim in Decapolis, the region of 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were astonished and marveled. You see, the whole journey wasn't just about a storm. It wasn't even just about a lesson in faith. It wasn't even just about a man being set free. Jesus had a plan for 10 cities. I don't know whether anyone here can hear something in that. Jesus has a plan for 10 cities. Oh, He has a plan for 10 cities. And He has a a word that He wants to send out to 10 cities. You see, the enemy had used his voice to intimidate as he cried out in the night. Ah, ah. But now that same voice that had been used to intimidate was gonna be used to liberate. The same, the enemy that had caused him to break physical chains, now God was gonna use him to break spiritual chains. The whole journey became about getting the Word about Jesus to 10 cities. And what I love is the devil, the devil had controlled one city. Gerasenes, just one city, influence one city. But when God gets hold of a man, when God gets hold of a man, he said, the devil may have used you to influence one city, but I'm gonna use you for 10. I'm gonna use you for 10 cities. I'm gonna use you for 10. I'm gonna do something in you that will change 10 cities. You see this man, this man had been impacted deeply 
by Jesus. I don't know whether there's anyone in the house this morning who has been set free by Jesus, who's had their mind healed by Jesus. Jesus has touched your body. Jesus has touched your family. Jesus has touched your marriage. Jesus has touched your son. He's touched your daughter. Is there anyone in the house this morning who can say, Jesus, if it had not been for Jesus, if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? If it had not been for Jesus, my God, my God, don't get confused about the journey. We've got, we've got a great journey ahead of us. We may even have some storms. But God is raising up a testimony. He's raising up an army of testimonies. That's not going to just change an individual's life. But it's going to impact cities and impact a nation. Oh my God. If you believe it in the house this morning, then give the Lord a shout of praise. come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.